Most gracious Heavenly Father, your word is power. Your word is life and your word is truth. And so, Lord, as we open it now in these next few moments, speak to us and change hearts. Break through strangleholds that have gripped people, strangleholds of the enemy, and bring victory today, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus and to his glory. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your, your Bible app on your phone or device, I invite you to go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. As we continue a sermon series today, we're wrapping up Goliath Must Fall. And over the last five weeks, we've been in this series. And I, I want to say thanks to one of our elders, Joe McDonald, who built this nine-foot-tall Goliath replica so we could get into perspective just how big Goliath is. And so we've had kids that are like all vying to see who gets to, to take this home after the series is over and put it in their room. We'll have to figure that one out. But today we are wrapping up this series with a message called the power of worship. The power of worship. The story of David and Goliath is actually one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and even people in the culture who aren't Christians know this story. And just to recap it, just to helicopter fly over, we got the armies of Israel, they go to the Valley of Allah, and they're facing off against the enemy, the Philistines, and the Philistines send Goliath out, and he comes out, and he's taunting the army, and he's saying, send one of your dudes out here to take me on, and then we'll be your slaves if you kill me. And so that's going on. David, he's over here in Bethlehem at the house of Jesse watching sheep. And his dad goes, hey, take some supplies down to my sons over here. So David goes down to, to the army. He shows up. He hears Goliath taunting everybody. And he's like, what, what is this? He's like, I'm taking this guy on. He goes to Saul. He gets a slingshot. He goes out there. He throws the stone. Boom, Goliath falls. David cuts his head off. Big victory. You know the story there. And so we've come to see over these past weeks that, that Goliath, the, that we all face these, these giants in our life. And, and the, the giants of our life we've come to see are anything that defies our pursuit of God and living in the freedom that Jesus Christ has already won for us. It's something that's attacking our, our faith, and it seems so big. Maybe it seems so insurmountable that I can't get past this hurdle in my life. Maybe for you it's a, it's a sickness or it's, some, it's a habit that's just got a hold of your life that you just can't get free of. And that's your Goliath. Or maybe it's some, some past, like a, a bitterness or, or something you have against someone. You just, I just can't let this go. And it's, it's just got a grip on my life. Or maybe it's, you've got an unhealthy lifestyle or, or some shame from your past. Or whatever your Goliath is, we got to face it. And today, as we say Goliath you must fall. We are transported to a controversial battlefield right here today. And Jesus Christ wants to win a victory. He, it demands a fight. And to not respond is to just say, you know what, I'm going to give up and I'm going like, to cave in to Goliath and the taunts and the fears because I'm hopeless against it. But God says, I want to bring you victory today and I'm giving you a weapon. I'm giving you the power of worship and that's what we're going to look at here in the next few moments. Here's the power of worship. And so we say, what is worship? We get our word worship from the old English word that's worship. And it, it evolved around the year 1200 where it, the word worship means that it's somebody who is in a position to receive honor and, and an acclaim and worth and glory. And that's what we do when we go to God. We're ascribing to God honor and glory. When I was studying for my master's at 
Southwestern years ago, I had a philosophy of worship class with Dr. Bruce Leafblad, and he had been John Maxwell, his worship leader. If you know Maxwell's this big best-selling author of leadership out in California, and, and so I loved this class, and he gave us a definition that is stuck with me these years, and he says worship is this, it's communion with God in which our full heart's affection and our mind's attention are focused on God in response to his greatness and his glory. You see, this captures the, this, this, the spirit and the truth of worship. Our spirit, our full heart's affections, that emotional side of us in worship. But then also we are to engage with our minds, our intellect, and, and we understand the vastness of God's character and his, his goodness. And so then in response to that, we just lift up worship. Man, like, wow, look what God has done in my life. And he's called me. He saved me. And so now I am worshiping him. But here's the, the problem that we face. There's a lot of times we, we come to church on Sunday and we, we're around here and we worship. But then we get out into our lives and the mundane and the, the voices of Goliath, of defeat, begin to drown out the anthems of victory. And so today I want us to look at, at how we can recapture the power of worship and to live every day as, as continually in a spirit of worship daily in our lives. Listen to what Paul challenges us to do in uh, Romans chapter 12. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. He's saying that your worship is to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, is to say, God, take my body and my talents and my mind and, and everything that I have, and I want to live for your glory and not for my glory, but I'm laying myself down. And this is what worship is. A lot of people, they get confused thinking that worship is just, uh, has to do with music. Have you, have you seen that before? They, like, they go, man, worship was great today. And like the music, uh, the, or worship was so boring. Uh. And it's like they equate it with the, the music. You know, I talk to people on different sides of the, the worship spectrum. Like they think it's a, a, a debate about styles. You know, they go, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like in the organ section. The organ section of heaven, because I can't stand them drums over there. And so, like, I've been to worship with organ, man, at the seminary, a mighty fortune. Man, it's so powerful. I can be moved in that style. But then there's the, some people say, I'm going to be in the Hillsong section or the David Crowder section of heaven over here. That's where I want to be. But here's what we're going to find out when we get there is that it's going to be people from every tribe and every tongue. From every nation throughout history, we're going to have some people from Africa, some people from Latin America with all these styles, and we're going to come together. And it's not going to be about what style I like. It's going to be about the glory of God. And man, it's going to be amazing. I don't know how all this is going to work, but when it all comes together, that sound of majesty and glory, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be an amazing deal. But here's the deal. Worship for us is more than just about music. The Bible, it describes like there's acts of worship that we can do in our lives. And there's a great Psalm 150 that gives a lot of them. And you can see there that to worship God, we can, we can sing, play instruments, we can clap, we can, we can bow down before the Lord, we can pray in humility. The Bible says like we can dance, like let's get crazy and dance before the Lord and let us, his spirit. So we can, we can do all these things. We can serve people. We can teach vacation Bible school. We can go and take a meal to someone. 
there's a lot of ways we can worship. But, and I love this, that God made us as creative beings like himself. He's creative. And he says, man, I want you to use your creativity and art to bring glory to me. And you know, what does this mean? Like, man, you can go and take a piece of marble and you can like sculpt it out into something that is gonna tell the story of Jesus. You can take a painting, you can like paint it with colors, you might make a meal. Man, we've got guys in our church, I love this, that are woodworkers. They got so much talent, I'd probably like cut a finger off or something. But they like these guys, Paul Wagner made these for our pastors. It's a wood that he cut into the a cross that says Jesus, and then he stained it, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. He took his gift that God had given him, and, and he's, he's using it for the glory of God. And maybe you could, you could write a Christian novel or, or make a quilt or some way that you can actually worship the Lord with your life. It's not just about coming to a worship service. God is saying, I want your life as a living sacrifice. The key we got to get today about worship is this. It's not about style or or what's going on, it's, it's about the motive of the heart. All throughout scripture you see Jesus teaching that. He says, where's your heart? Are you saying, hey, this worship, look at me. Look what I'm doing, or, or look what I did, and look what song I can play so well. Or, no, he's saying, are you saying, look at my great God and what he's done in my life. The, the motive of your heart is what God is looking for today. And so we're gonna find out here in these next few moments that to live a life of worship the first thing is this, that we're going to be motivated by the glory of God. You see, David had a higher concern than his own well-being in this story. You know, David, he took off to go see his brothers, and he shows up, and he didn't have anything in this fight. He could have seen Goliath like, whoo, I'm heading back to Bethlehem, out to the sheep where it's safe over here. But he said, no. This guy, he's taunting and mocking the Lord my God, and I'm not going to stand for it. And so he was motivated by the glory of God. In your life, is Goliath getting the glory? Is your Goliath, your giant, maybe anxiety is getting the glory in your life? And people look at you, maybe your family's looking at you and say, man, over the last nine years, you've just been in this horrible depression and you can't get free and that defines your life. And so this thing has been defining you, but God's saying, I want to I wanna fix that. I want to heal you and bring you into victory so that I can receive the glory for that in your life. You see, David understood this, that, that David, that he knew that God wasn't created just for him that God had created David for him and for his pleasure and his glory. And so David understood this. He said, David looks at the giant. He understands nine feet tall. David understands javelins and spears and that any second his life could just be taken like this at any moment. He understood the weapons of the enemy. But oh my friend, he understands the weapons of God. And I'm not talking about just uh, his shepherd's staff or, or his slingshot with some stones in there. He understands that he has the confidence of the power of God behind him in the supernatural, that he has the, the name of the Lord God Almighty on his side, and he's living for the glory of God. Man, I love it. When we worship the Lord and I'm, we're up here leading worship, we just see people freely praising the Lord freely from hearts filled with joy. You know, think about this. If, if I were to say, Pastor Tim, I want you to come on up here now. And, and I'm like, church, let's make Pastor Tim welcome right now as he comes up. And like half the people just kind of go, 
<laughs> okay. And I'm like, come on, man, we can do better than that. Like, give it up for him. And Tim would say, you know what? If you're not really feeling it, like, just kind of keep it to yourself. You know, like, I'm, like you're, I'm, I don't want it coerced and forced. And so God is saying, I want worshipers who will come with me with this motivation for my glory that's not coerced, but like you're, it's flowing out of the, the mighty acts that God has done for you in your life. Think about it. The mighty acts. That time that he provided a job for you when, when it looked hopeless. And that time that, that he saved your life in that one time. How about that time when your marriage was falling apart and it looked beyond repair and he, he fixed it and now you say, wow. In response, God, to God be the glory in my life. Thank you, God. The second thing we're going to see is that when we use the power of worship, we're going to make a declaration of worship before we go into battle. This is the same as in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The, you might have heard the story. King Jehoshaphat is back there in the Old Testament, and he's a king of Israel. He's going into battle against not just one army, but there's two armies that have amassed, and they're coming at him, and he's, he's afraid. He counsels with the Lord, and the Lord says this, I want you to put some worship out in front of the army. I want you to, to put praise out there. I want you to put a choir out there, and I want you to tip the spear with worship. And he's like, what? Look what the Bible says about this story here. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now that's not like a real threatening song. His love endures forever. I'm sure the enemy was shaking in their boots there on that one. But listen, it says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Wow, so the army of Israel, they're going into this battle. They're praising God. And when they show up to the field of battle where the, it's going to take place, they look and everybody's already destroyed and slayed. These armies had turned on each other, annihilated each other, and Israel didn't even have to lift a sword. Isn't that incredible? Like the power of God in the presence of praise and worship as you lift up his name, as you face this, I'm going into my daily battle, and now I'm going to praise the Lord before I even get in there. Wow, a declaration of praise. You know, I'm a musician, man, and I'm up here, and I'm thinking Jehoshaphat comes to, to the band, and he goes, guys, y'all y'all get out in front now. Let's go. I'm like, wait a second. Hang on. Like, I, I know, like Phil, you know, the bass player, he's probably like, you know, this bass is cool, but can I get like a machine gun or something here, like a tank? I'm go like, but he said no, and he sends them out there, and the power of God was demonstrated. And it was amazing, and, and victory took place. Because here's the truth today, church, is that, that praise defeats discouragement. That praise, it reminds us of whose kingdom we live for and whose team we are on. And then praise, it puts the enemy on notice that my life is claimed by my Savior and by Christ, and you have no power over me, and that I'm going to come at you with praise. Listen to how David responded on the battlefield with Goliath. He said, out loud, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you 
into our hands. He's making a declaration of praise before the, the fight even went down. If you haven't figured this out yet, we're in a spiritual war and a battle every single day. Every moment that you wake up in the morning, I call it the, the battle of the bedside. And maybe you, maybe you had that this morning trying to decide, should I get out and go to church? But it's this right here, that, the, that Goliath, your giant, stands at the head of your bed waiting for you to wake up. And he's, he's coveting your, your waking hours, your, your waking moments where he can implant a thought of doubt. He can put a thought of discouragement in there. You come from a long line of losers. Hey, how do you think God can ever use you after that? How are you going to get through this day without that drink? And Goliath, his voice is there from the moment you wake up, and there's a battle going on in your life for your attention. And given half a chance, he'll, he'll turn your life, he'll turn your morning into the valley of Elah, and he'll taunt you, and he'll boast against your God. Last Sunday was Memorial Day weekend, and uh, one of our church members invited us to come over for a little pool party cookout deal, and I'm there hanging out. This lady comes up, she goes, Jed, have you heard that song, Not Today? I said, I don't think I, no, I haven't heard that. What is it? She's like, man, it's this song, it's about, wow, these words, it's about the devil. I'm saying not today, I'm a child of God, you have no power over me. And I said, man, that's awesome. So I went this week and listened to it, and I want to share with you the the chorus of the song, because it's so great. You might want to look it up, it's by Hillsong United. It says, I'll sing the night into the morning. I'll sing the fear into your praise. I'll sing my soul into your presence whenever I say your name. Let the devil know, not today. Making a declaration of praise. She set this this song up as her phone alarm. Like when when she wakes up, like it goes off in the morning, it's the first thing she hears. Not today. I'm making a declaration of praise today. The last thing we're going to find out is that praise puts God in view. Here's what I mean by this, is that when we begin to praise and lift up God, that Goliath, he is put in perspective. He gets smaller. Worship is like like corrective lenses for our soul. It's like we get away from the presence of God, and we get fuzzy on his character and his love for us and how valuable we are, but we begin to worship him, and he he comes into focus, and we get greater clarity in our lives. And and, and, and all of a sudden, Goliath, his power and his presence begin to shrink and diminish because God is setting me free. He's resetting my perspective. Goliath, you're down to size, man. I'm lifting up the name of Jesus. It was about 15 years ago in 2004. I went through a time, and maybe some of you have been through like a, just a dark spiritual time where I felt so dry, like I was out in the desert spiritually and just parched for the Lord. And I was going through, and I felt alone and just out there and struggling and grasping in prayer. And I, I would find myself just clinging to threads of the faith that I had grown up with. And I would go over to the piano. It's like the only thing I could I had. And I would sit down and begin to play, like, how firm a foundation and great is thy faithfulness. And, and these hymns, just to draw some strength. And, man, one of my favorite all-time hymns is It Is Well With My Soul. What a powerful song of the faith. I would sing verse three of that hymn a lot. And one of the loneliest places on earth are places or things to be is the third verse of any hymn. You know, it's like we sing one, two, and four, or one, two, and five, and we skip three, but we can't skip three. On this song, 
He says, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And as I began to sing that over and over, the encouragement and the hope of God was, was resonating in my soul and saying your sin is paid for. No longer do you have to carry that shame on yourself anymore. It's over. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I turned to the Word of God and read from David's Psalms. And Psalm 40 quickly became one of my favorites. And I want to share you with you three verses right at the top of this one that I hope will help you grab some encouragement this morning as well. Here's what David said. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. Maybe you're out there, and you're waiting patiently for something. You've been praying for something to open up before you. You've been praying for something. And a decision, you're like, Lord, where are you? I'm going to stay in this, and I'm going to stay faithful. He, he is hearing your cry. And then listen to this. It says, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And listen to this. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see it and fear and put their trust in him. Many will see it. When we praise, it brings God into view. It's not just about me anymore. It's like, yes, I am free, but people are seeing my life now, and they're giving praise to God, and they're saying, wow, look what God did. He lifted him up out of the miry clay. I love that this passage is kind of like a little snippet, a snapshot of, of Jesus in the gospel. And let me show you what that looks like. It says that I was stuck in the mud, and the mire. Have you ever gone fishing around a, an old pond? A couple of years ago, Lisa and I went down to Rollover Pass near uh, Galveston down there on the, on the coast down there, and we were wade fishing for flounder. And like what you do, you put on these waders, and it's like you're fly fishing, but she and I kind of like eased out into the water like this, and man, it's muddy. If you, it's not like sandbars down there. It's like mud, you know, like, huh. and we start getting out there, and you're like, you know, and the current's coming, and, it's, and so I'm kind of away from her. She's over there, and she starts going, ah! I'm like, what? And so she is like, my feet. She had done this and got stuck, and the more you fight on the mud, <laughs> like the more you begin to sink down in there. And like you just go, and like the current's coming, the water's rising, and I look over, and water's pouring over the top of her waders inside, <laughs> filling them up. She's like, ah! I had to go, oh, it was, it was a mess. If you get stuck in the mud, the harder you try to get out, the worse you're going to make it. And so we're stuck in sin in our lives. We, we had no hope for rescue. And Jesus says, I come and I'm lifting you up. It's by my power, my grace, my death on the cross. I lifted you out of your hopelessness and I've set you on a rock. The rock of our salvation. The rock went to the rock. The hill of Golgotha, the skull. And he, he went and was crucified on that rock. Then they laid him behind a rock. And Jesus said, no. And he rolls that rock back. And he said, I come out in victory. And I'm going to bring you victory. And I'm bringing you hope. And so now he says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to go and live in that victory. And I'm live, calling you to live a life of praise. And to use the power I've given you. The power of worship. So this week, church, as you go out to live, I want to challenge you to do a couple of things this week. And the first one is this, to remember that Jesus is David. 
Jesus is David. And you say, what does that mean? In this, this story symbolically, it's like that I don't have to, to be the one in my own strength to defeat Goliath in my life. That Jesus has already defeated my enemy on the cross. And so I can live now in hope and I can rest in his victory. And the second thing is this, that we, I'm, I want to call you to live a life of praise. And you say, what does this mean? It's like, I want to challenge you this week to try something, is to get a song, if it's a, a hymn, Amazing Grace, a song that it, it speaks to you. And each morning when you get up, to sing a song of praise and see if it doesn't start your day with, with the spring in your step, with the power of God behind you. And I'm living a, a, a life of praise. And you go, wait, hey, man, you don't know. I can't, I can't sing. Like, you haven't heard me. Go to the shower, get in your car. Like you say, God, hey, you created this voice, man. And if it sounds bad, I'm sorry, but you did it. So I'm going to sing it for you now, for your glory. Live a life of praise. And the, finally this, live for the fame of Jesus. Like what is this? I'm going to live motivated to bring glory to God in my life. That as I live, that people, they can see what God has done in my life, and it brings fame to his name and not to what I can do. Live for the fame of Jesus Christ. So church, remember this this week as you go out, that the, that the soundtrack of our faith is worship. The soundtrack of our faith is worship as it rings in your ear to God be the glory. Goliath has fallen. To God be the glory. Amen.